All right, everybody, ready? Let me start in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, I know it was kind of like a last-minute thing. Um, we didn't do a lot of advertising for it, but just wanted to give a talk sort of on basic pro-life apologetics. I'd given a homily last week, and they were like, Father, these are some great arguments. Can you develop them? So I kind of wrote up this little talk, um, and hopefully people who listen to it online or others may, may like it. So I just want to sort of begin with a few just very basic first points. First of all, it is very easy because Catholics seem to be so passionate about the pro-life issue that people can say, you know, you crazy Catholics or religious people, um, we're going to dismiss your argument. But fundamentally, the arguments against abortion have zero to do with religion. In fact, you're going to notice that I'm not even going to bring up Catholicism or God or anything within the context of this. And it's something I think we have to be very, very serious about and letting people know, yeah, I'm Catholic, but I could be a complete atheist. Uh, and I'd still think that uh, there's some reasons to be opposed to abortion. Uh, so what I'm going to do is, in making these arguments, I'm going to try to stick to reason and logic. Reason and logic. Uh, without having any recourse to religious arguments. But from that, though, the problem is, as I'm sure some of you may have, have known, I'm not trying to be mean, very difficult to reason with people who are for abortion. Not all people, but I would say probably a lot of people that you might meet on campus. Uh, a lot of younger people, um, again, I'm not trying to dismiss them or say anything bad about them, but usually the, the, their arguments for abortion are more driven by flawed thinking uh, or emotion or even an agenda. And so as nice as this is, it makes us feel better that we can think through things, but will you convince people? As we'll see, it can really be a challenge if they're not willing to, to reason through things. And so what I want to do is I just want to go over some very, very basic fundamental points. This talk is not going to last very long. At least I didn't think my homily at 6 p.m. was going to last long either, but it did. So I don't know how this is going to go. Just very, very basic stuff. And within it, sort of giving some suggestions of how you might discuss these issues with other people. Not, so this is not just like in your mind, but how to best take it and approach it if you were going to get into a rationed and, and reasonable discussion about you know, pro-life issues. The first thing is to know that I propose the Socratic method. Socratic method from Plato's Socrates, who would ask questions as if he's trying to understand knowledge. And then from that, you would go and ask different questions and say, well, this is, can't be true, but this is true. And so it really becomes more of a dialogue. Instead of just going to people and saying, you're wrong, it's a baby, it's a human life. The importance of being able to ask questions to people that you're discussing with who pose this. Not only because the Socratic method is a good way of doing things, but it also gives you the ability to frame the discussion in your own terms. This is any kind of, I don't care if you're talking about a debate or you're talking about a discussion, are you talking about a fight? You want to set the rules as much as you can. You want to have the momentum. You don't want to be on the defensive. 
And so if you are not aggressively asking questions, but if you are setting the pace or setting the tone by asking questions, in a certain sense, they're on the defensive uh, instead of you having to sit there and answer questions all the time um, and kind of guiding the conversation and the direction that you think it really ought to go. And so that's just sort of a, a basic tactic. Sounds very manipulative, but hey, you got to do what it takes uh, to really get to these fundamental points because as you're going to see, if we can't come to agreement on certain basic terms, then there's really no discussion. There's really no discussion possible here. So if you, you think about the people who advocate for abortion over the course, let's say, of the past, I don't know, 30 years, probably one of the biggest phrases is pro-choice. So you have people who are pro-life, or as the media will say, anti-abortion. Remember, language matters here. I used to give a talk called The Language and Logic of Abortion. Maybe I should just talk about this as the language and logic of abortion. So you're anti-abortion, which really they're kind of putting you in a negative sense, but they're pro-choice, pro-choice. And you still hear that term a fair bit. What, what, what does that even mean? And so want to sort of look at this and other terms that are used in the discussion because we've got to define our terms. We throw around words and phrases all the time, and, and we don't even know what it means. We don't bother to define. And so think about it. Pro means for, choice means, I guess, the freedom to choose potentially between different options that are before you. Well, who's against that? I mean, I'll be mean, honestly, who's against us choosing anything, even though that's what they're going to frame it, as we'll see, but basically saying, I'm just for us to be able to choose things. Okay, well, yeah, I guess we all are kind of in favor for us to be able to choose things. And so this issue of freedom and the ability to choose becomes the much larger issue, as we'll see. But you're never just saying, I think it's good that we could choose. No, if you're pro-choice, you're choosing something. Your choice has what we call an object. I'm choosing this thing, this person, this idea. It's sort of, I don't know, kind of ludicrous to say, I'm pro-choosing things. No, you're specific, particularly in this context, you're talking about choosing something specific. We're not talking about choosing to go dancing or choosing a tube of toothpaste. We're talking about the object here is abortion. You are pro-choice, meaning you are in favor of the woman having the choice to have an abortion. You're in favor of women choosing to have an abortion. So let's just be specific about that. I mean, I think it's sort of within the context we understand what that means. But this is what they're talking about. You're saying you're in favor of women having an abortion, which gets to, I guess in a certain sense, the heart of what I want to talk about today what is abortion? I mean, this is a term we throw around all the time. We've got to be able to discuss what it is. But the truth is, is a lot of the times they won't say, I'm pro-choice that I want in favor of a woman choosing to have an abortion. They'll say, again, and this is how we play with language, to terminate their pregnancy. Okay, well, this is a falling into some sort of a tautology here, you're not really describing what's going on. You're terminating a pregnancy. Well, what is a pregnancy? Because all of this sort of 
phrasing sort of seems to pull away any kind of moral agency. I'm terminating a pregnancy. I'm pro-choice. No, let's talk about what you're doing. Well, what is a pregnancy? It's, well, when you have a child in your womb that is growing. So terminating a pregnancy is terminating the life of that child in your womb. So let's just be specific about what we are talking about. So indeed, this is why at least those who are pro-life or anti-abortion are passionate about this, because we believe there's a moral issue here. As much as the pro-choice side seems to frame it, oh no, you're just terminating a pregnancy, oh, I'm pro-choice. There's a serious moral issue here, or maybe there's not. But for our position, there is a serious moral issue that abortion is taking the life of that child in your womb. But it goes down as we continue to peel the onion even further, what needs to be discussed. If it's just a pregnancy, if it's just about freedom, or if you're going to say somehow, well, that's just a clump of cells, well, there's no moral issue here. But the issue comes down to what is the status of the embryo? What is the status of that entity that is growing in the womb of the mother? This is the, 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 the fundamental question, because if it's just a clump of cells, then to terminate a pregnancy, to have an abortion, there's no real moral issue. That's the same as scraping some cells off your skin. However, if that is an individual member of the human species, and that's a human life, well, then we wade into some pretty serious moral issues, and it's valuable that we discuss that. So do, do you all understand what I'm talking about here? So again, we're clarifying our terms. So the, the most fundamental question is the status of the embryo. And therefore, from that, is this embryo, or if you want to say zygote or fetus or whatever you want to call it, as we're going to get into those different terminologies, is it a human being? I'm not going to use the word human person. That would be for like pro-life apologetics version two. Pro-life apologetics one. Is this an individual member of the human species? Is it a human being in a very, very early stage of development? Because if it is, and you are choosing to terminate the life of this human being, well then most reasonable people, most reasonable people would say, this is a moral issue. We need to be able to discuss this. Again, there's more fundamental issues here, but this is the, the issue here. So it's a question. Is whatever is in the womb of the mother that is the, the focus of this pregnancy, is it a human? Which means, peel back the onion even more. What makes a human being a human being? What makes someone an individual member of the human species? So until you can get this this firmed up, don't even move forward in discussions. I won't. Until some, until we can have some an agreement on this, I won't discuss it any further with you. Because you can't have a debate or discussion unless you define terms. And unless we could talk about what is central to this, the status of the embryo, then it's a pointless discussion. And so that's where you asking questions and you kind of forcing the issue and not backing down 
and we'll see not, not taking the bait to go in other directions, is going to be crucial. What makes a human being a human being at its most basic, fundamental essence? And if you get in a discussion, and I've done this before, people raise their hands and say all kinds of stuff. And usually it's pretty fun to shoot each one of them down. But you can look up any biology textbook. You could probably even go on Wikipedia and find it. What makes a human being a human being, which like on a scientific empirical level, we're not talking about philosophy, we're not talking about religion, it's the DNA. Maybe we didn't understand that 500 years ago, but we surely understand it now. The moment of conception, when you have the sperm and the egg come together and that one cell is there before it begins the, the separation and growing, there is one DNA strand. And in that DNA strand is encoded every bit of genetic material that is going to say what color your hair is going to be, if you're going to struggle with male pattern baldness, if you're going to be tall, if you're going to be short, it's all there. It's all there. And from that point, the moment of conception, nothing essential is ever added. Certainly nutrients are added and things. But from this sort of like self-directing principle that's written into that first cell because of that DNA, and I'm not a biologist, so I can't explain why it is, that print, that, the, 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 what is it, the meiosis or mitosis, it begins separating, basic biology, and it's just simply duplicated. That cell is cloned over and over and over and over again. Now, granted, as it goes on, the, the cells become like, you know, cardiac tissue, they become eyes, it forms, but it's all directed from that very first cell. Nothing essential is ever, ever added. And so you can look at that one cell and say, oh, this is not a member of the elephant species. And this is not a mem this is not going to end up being some type of a roach or it's not going to be a tree. You know your DNA. You could say, oh, this is human DNA. It's not monkey DNA. It's human DNA. And as a result, it is going to develop into a fully grown human being. But there, from the moment of conception, it is an individual member of the human species. It's not like it, it's DNA that doesn't have any distinguishing, and then that DNA could one day turn into a, a, a it has like this pluripotency to become not different types of cells, but it has the potential to become a totally other different thing. It doesn't have that at all. It's going to become a human, and you know it from the moment of conception, genetically, biologically, and it has that self-directed growth right there. So scientifically, it is I don't see how anyone could say that from the moment of conception, regardless of the state of development in the womb or after, that it is not an individual member of the human species, therefore, it is a human being. I mean, it has being. It's there. It's not anything else but a human being. So you have got to be able to get another individual to agree with you on that. If they won't, are not willing to agree with you, then you could say, well, you really don't care about science. You really don't care about empirical data. I thought you did, but you obviously don't. You care more about your agenda and your ideology than anything else. And I'd back off the discussion because you're not going to get anywhere. It's just going to end up being a fight. But that's the point. 
you cannot really have a discussion about abortion until you define what it is and until you can agree that abortion ends the life or the existence or the, I don't know what you want to call it, of an individual member of the human species, again, you're not going to be able to get anywhere. Does that make sense? And so let's say that, that, that you get them to agree with that. Then we can move forward. Now, a counter-argument, and this I think is an essential counter-argument, would be, as I said, no, it's only an embryo. It's not really a human. It's, it, it doesn't have rights. It's not a human until, well, it has brain waves, or it doesn't have the right to life or personhood. And we're getting into some distinctions here I don't really want to get into, but ultimately is they're going to say it doesn't really become a human until it's more fully developed or it can live outside of the womb or, or, or it has a certain state of consciousness. I mean, you've all heard those arguments. Well, there are problems there because what's happening is all these characteristics are what we call in philosophy accidental. Not accidental like I got in an accident going to work, but they're secondary. They don't describe something in its essence. So when I first got here, I had dark hair. I do not anymore. Does that mean I quit being Father Bryce Sibley? No, it's an accidental change. Let's say that I go and move to China. Then does that mean that all of a sudden because I'm not living in America, I'm no longer myself? No, I've changed my location. There are all kinds of things that we can do to change ourselves, but it doesn't change what we are or who we are. And so all these things, the state of consciousness, the, the, the development, these are all accidental. And in fact, no one can really agree with any of them. They're all sort of arbitrary. It's 28 weeks or it's, it's 16 weeks you shouldn't have an abortion or it's whenever their brain waves. And this is all completely arbitrary. So, and at least in the public policy perspective, the legal perspective, who judges what is established as a human or not? We can go to something which has got to be more fundamental. Because ultimately to say, well, it's not until it becomes this stage of development or becomes embryonic or becomes a fetus. These are all stages of development. They don't describe what it is. So you have the individual member of the human species, and you can make a timeline. It's like gotic stage, embryonic, fetal, it's born, it's infant, then it becomes a toddler, then it becomes a teenager. It's all the same continuum. It's the same being, just at different stages of development. And so no matter how you describe it within those first nine months, it is a member of the human species. It doesn't matter the developmental stage. And why that argument is even brought up anymore because so many people tend to advocate abortion up to the day of birth. Uh, that's why that, that partial birth abortion is there. It's a fully developed child. And just because it's not outside of the womb, then it's fine to be able to terminate its life, to kill it. So what we do is say, no, 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 that is a human being in the embryonic stage of development. That is a human being in the fetal stage of development. Because otherwise, what happens is it becomes a totally different entity. That, that somehow being a zygote is different essentially from being a, a, a fetus. Being a fetus is different essentially from being an embryo. Well, if that's the case, being an adult is essentially different than being a teenager. You may feel that way, but no, it's the same person, the same being 
just on that timeline. And so does it matter? Any of these other exterior things, they all could change. They can shift, but it doesn't stop what is the individual. Its existence, its definition is defined on what it is genetically. So that makes sense? So you, you're going to need to be able to make those distinctions when that counterargument's brought up. An individual member of the human species may change and develop and grow, but still is what it is. It's not going to one day become a zebra. It is not one day going to become a palm tree. It's going to stay what it is. Now, if you've noticed, though, so far, I have really not made any moral judgment. Not at all. I haven't really brought morality into here. I've said that if it is an individual member of the human species, then we're going to have to have a moral discussion. But so far, if you get in the discussion, there's no reference to religion, no reference to God, and really no reference to morality. But if indeed it is what we describe, the taking of an arguably innocent life as a member of the human species, then... Most reasonable people will say we can have that moral ethical discussion. But I don't want to get into that today because there's so many different arguments. And again, that would be the, 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 second, the second wave of describing it because we can bring up all kinds of arguments to describe culpability, how to address the moral issue, but that's not what I'm interested in doing. So this is essentially what you need to stand on to be able to identify what that entity is, and therefore what abortion is. Abortion is the deliberate taking of an arguably innocent human life, and use that, arguably innocent, because one of the arguments that we use is it's an aggressor against the mother, which is a false argument. It's a false argument, but, or they'll sort of equate the child with like a cancer. Well, no, that's not, that's not really possible. It's not, it's not a valid argument. But it's taking an individual human life, and the moral discussion can begin. But putting all that aside, this is going to be the position that you've got to hold on to until that further moral discussion can come. But let's look back at that count some of the counter arguments, at least one or two main arguments, uh, particularly this one here, which I see a lot and becomes. Uh, one of the bigger ones, and it's rooted in femininity and sort of the, the valid points that the feminist movement does have. But basically, the argument is my body, my choice. The pro-choice, because as a woman, the woman ought to have a right to do what she wants to do with her body. And that nobody, no government, no church, no individual can tell that individual woman that autonomous human being, what she can and can't do with her body. Well, right off the bat, this is a fallacious argument. Because if you really believe that, you have to apply it categorically, which means the government cannot tell you that there should be any illegal drugs. Nope, you can't do it, you can't that. Nor should the government be able to tell you that you can't sell your organs. But they do. And no one really has a problem with that. You may say, well, we shouldn't make marijuana legal, but there's nobody out there saying, opioids for everybody. We have no problem with the government limiting that, what you do with your body. So 
again, why is this an exception? Well, it's an exception because they want it to be an exception. But to step even further out of that, we've got to get back to the, the fundamental question. Um, and I mean, this is the issue. Is it really your body? Just because you, this is what happens is, is pro-lifers let people say things and we don't press them on it. Well, you say it's your body. Well, I want you to prove it's your body. What, what, what makes a body a body? And, and we can get into that discussion in a positive way of getting to define what makes a body a body. Or you can just ask us more questions. So let's see. We, I, I, your argument is that it's a child, an individual member of the species in your womb. But you say it's your body. Well, logically, if it is your body, it's going to have the same genetic makeup. So you, my body is not the same as Grant's body, or any of your bodies here. One of the, what is one of the, one of the ways we know? Well, because I'm separate from you, but also because I don't have the same genetic makeup. We're, we're not the same. There are differences there. Um, and so this thing that you claim to be your body clearly doesn't have the same genetic makeup. It has some of your genetic code, but it doesn't have all of your genetic code. Number two, while your body is developing and growing this certain path here, this body or this entity is going in a different path, a different direction. It's at a different stage of development. So you really can't say that it is your body because A, it has a completely different genetic structure and it is self-directed. It's autonomous. There's something else propelling it uh, in its development other than what is in your body propelling its development. But one of the, the most, I think, clearest arguments is this. If I were to go up to somebody and I take a baseball bat and I'd hit you in your arm or your leg, not hard enough to break it, would there ever be a point where your arm would just shrivel up and drop off? No. But if I go to a woman who's pregnant and hit her in her belly, would that, she's going to miscarry there's no other part of your body that is just going to just shrivel up and die if I hit you. No, because it's something separate. It is a separate entity, a different individual member of the human species. It shares your DNA, but guess what? It shares the dad's DNA too. So if it really is your body, that is just as much as the dad's body, just as much as the father's body, that he has the same claim on it. The, what, the, what reality is, you have a parasite even though it has a negative connotation. That child is a parasite living in your body, living off of your body. But it's not your body. No reasonable person can say that. It's just simply not. Because if it is, then we have to radically redefine what we conceive a body to be. But I want you to notice here, and this is the fundamental issue, that if we really peel back the onion, pro-choice, my body, my choice. The real issue here is freedom. I ought to have the freedom to do what I want, when I want, how I want it, with my own body or with my sexuality or whatever. What it belies is a view of freedom is complete autonomy. Autonomy meaning I'm not obedient to any laws, I'm not obedient to rules, I'm not even obedient to my human nature. This is really the fundamental issue 
of the more progressive side that tends to advocate abortion, sexual licentiousness, all these different issues that deal with the body and with gender and with sex and with life. That's the issue. Is this genuine freedom to be able to do what you want, how you want, without you want, without any restrictions? That's the fundamental issue at heart here, the core philosophical issue, but which we, we really are not going to get into much today. So let's look at a few other arguments, and I'm picking up these arguments because I've seen them on campus in the chalking uh, that some of the people who tend to advocate for abortion on campus. Very briefly, one of them, the one that has the most poetic weight, is keep your rosaries off of my ovaries. Well, first of all, we've already established this is not really a religious argument. I don't have to be a Catholic to advocate this. And and again, maybe you really ought to go and study basic biology because the ovaries produce eggs. The, the, the embryo doesn't live in your ovaries. It just doesn't. It kind of lives in the womb and there's the uterus and all that kind of stuff. It's not, you get a little confused about where the baby resides or where the, the embryo resides. I think we've got to go back to biology there. Because, but well, they use it because it's framed under reproductive rights. No, no, no. Look, we're not saying that you don't have the right to go have sex or do what you need to do, whether that's morally right or wrong. We're, we're not getting that into here. We're talking about killing a child. You've already reproduced. Um, the child's already, it's already, reproduction's already happened. We're talking about a separate entity. We're moving into a different moral area. So you can use this witty little phrase, but it doesn't really matter to what we're talking about. Another one that we've been seeing, or I've been seeing, is a picture of a coat hanger, sort of alluding to uh, the possibility, like, if we allow prohibit abortions, coat hangers will happen. Well, that's really an appeal to emotion, um, to make you fearful. It's like saying, you know, if we elect this person to the Supreme Court, we're all going to be dressed like the handmaids from the Margaret Atwood book. That's ridiculous. That's an appeal to emotion. That's trying to put fear in people. Besides, it's also the fallacy, so appeal to emotion is a fallacy, but also the logical fallacy of the slippery slope. We can't do this because this will happen. No idea what will happen. You know, we're evaluating the thing in itself. You just can't say, oh, this is wrong because this may happen one day. You could prove that it's going to happen, but no, it's an appeal to emotion. That's a slippery slope. That's a fallacy. So it's just logically implausible. But again, we're assuming people want to use logic and can recognize logical fallacies. The third and final one um, that we, I saw was FU Catholics. So Let's look at this. So, um, or, or things were derogatory towards Catholics. So this is another fallacy called the ad hominem attack. You're attacking the person rather than the argument. Does not work. And number two, as I said, it's not really a religious argument. Other people who are not Catholic have been writing those things. And then third, it's arguably hate speech, particularly when you put it on a campus. I don't care if it's a chalk or not. It's arguably hate speech. Now, I'm not one that Catholics should go play the victim or whatever, but we realize, at least I've seen on campus so far, I have not seen any of our students, the pro-life students, go deface or put any kind of condescending things or ruin whatever the pro-abortionists have said. Nor we put, like, pro-life abortionists are evil people, hateful people. We haven't said any of that. 
But if you Catholics, that's crossing the boundary. And so what happens, though, is, is often because if you can't reason and logic, you will re- you'll be reduced to ad hominem attacks. Not only in this area, but other areas. Just attacking the person instead of really addressing the argument. And it shows, I think, that either you're not too bright, you've got anger issues, or you really don't, don't, don't have an argument to make. Um, so anyhow, in conclusion, you know, a lot of what y'all would be, your college students would be encountering, not necessarily arguments that are more fully developed that maybe come from pro-abortionists or pro-choicers who are college professors who do have more reason and logic. You can make some arguments in favor of abortion. Uh, not that you're going to disagree agree with them, but a lot of the times the people that you may encounter, at least the people, i am be honest, that I see etching on campus, reason, logic, not really what they are interested in. And so one of my favorite quotes, you probably heard me say before, it's attributed to Jonathan Swift, even though I don't think he wrote it. Do not try to reason someone out of a position they did not reason themselves into in the first place. A lot of the times they've bought an agenda, they got some deep wounds that they need to go to therapy for. Um, many of them maybe have had an abortion themselves and it's the feeling of guilt or they know someone who's had, and so they resort to this type of stuff. Love them, care for them, but don't, don't, don't get emotional, don't get into a screening match, just bow out. I respect your opinion, have a good day. I'm gonna go eat my chicken shawarma or do whatever you need to do, so I'm not gonna get in discussion. But if you are going to get in discussion, stick to your point. Go over the ideas in your head and don't back down because what will often happen is, like a lot of discussions, they'll throw out another logical fallacy called a red herring. Well, what about this? And it has, and, and, then you, and maybe an issue that's related to abortion. What about the women who are going to, because of rape and incest, are okay. But that's a red herring right now. We're sticking to this point. Because if you go run out after that, well, then you're debating on their, their terms and you're giving up your point. No, 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 we can discuss that later. We're going to discuss this. If you don't want to discuss this, then see you later. And we're going to move on and we're just going to agree to disagree. You've got to have an agreement and consistency on the basis, the basics. If we can't agree on what abortion is and the status of the embryo, there's no discussion. There's no discussion. And all these other ancillary topics which need to be discussed, you're not going to be able to fully develop them. As I've alluded to before, abortion is the result of much deeper moral issues, political issues, societal issues, way too much to get into. So I've sort of shown some like philosophy and the status of the person. Those could be discussed later. They're more complicated, but we've got to be able to get the basics. And I think hopefully been able to establish what some of these basics are. And so we as reasonable individuals, but as prayerful Catholics, we, we pray for an end abortion and for a respect for life. And we do what we can to promote life at all stages. And we also show that we are pro-woman and pro the legitimate use of freedom. So to be able to understand what freedom is and to be able to show that abortion doesn't help a woman. Um, but we've got to be willing, these women who find themselves in this difficult, difficult situation, many who are poor, that we care about alleviating poverty legitimately and that we care about providing for them and their child. And to be able to, to more fully address this issue 
not just in the logical sense. And I think that's the real key issue. If we're going to win this, we just can't use logic. We just can't make reasoned arguments. You've got to be able to win minds. We also have to win hearts. So that's my presentation. I thank you for listening.